Chapter Sixteen of Vicky Van by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sixteen, a futile chase. It was Sunday afternoon, and we were in conclave in the Schuyler Library. Fleming Stone was summing up his results of the past few days, and though it was evident he had done all that mortal man could do, yet he had no hint or clue as to where Vicky Van might be and he held that nothing else was of consequence compared to this knowledge she must be found and whether that could be done quickly by search or by chance or whether it would take a long time of waiting he could not say he felt sure that she must disclose herself sooner or later but if not and if their search continued unavailing then he held out no hope for success it's a unique case he said in my experience all depends on finding that woman if she is innocent herself she knows who did it and if she is the guilty one she is clever enough to remain hidden it may be she is miles away out of the country perhaps she has had ample time to make arrangements to go abroad or to any distant place her guilt seems to me probable because she has literally abandoned her house and her belongings an innocent woman would scarcely leave all those modern and valuable furnishings unless for some very strong reason but as to finding her a needle in a haystack presents an easy problem by contrast doubtless she is hiding in the house of some friend suggested ruth thoughtfully it seems to me she must have been taken in and cared for by someone who loved her that night she disappeared i think so too agreed stone but i've been to see all her friends that i can find out about i've called on a score of them finding their addresses in her address book that mr lowney gave me of course they may have been deceiving me but i feel safe in asserting that she is not under the protection of any one i interviewed she returned to her house last monday night the police believe for the purpose of getting her mail this shows a daring almost unbelievable that mail must have been of desperate importance to her she has not been to the house since they feel sure and since i have been on the case she could not have entered for have kept it under strict surveillance i think she will never return to it presumably she got the letter she was so anxious for her mail that has arrived the last few days i have not opened but the envelopes show mostly tradesmen's cards or are indubitably social correspondence there seem to be no letters from lawyers or financial firms however if nothing develops i shall open the letters this case being unprecedented necessitates unusual proceedings i'm disappointed in you mr stone said rhoda schuyler testily i didn't suppose you were superhuman but i did think with your reputation and all you would be able to find that woman i have heard say that nobody could absolutely vanish in new york city and not be traced you don't regret my so far failure a bit more than i do miss schuyler but i feel no shame or embarrassment over it nor am i ready to admit myself beaten i have a theory or rather a conviction that there is one and only one explanation of this strange affair i'm not quite ready to expound this but in a day or two i shall find if it is the true solution and if so i shall soon find miss van allen i knew you would and sarah schuyler nodded her head in satisfaction i told rhoda to give you more time and you would not disappoint us all right mr stone use all the time you need but no schuyler must remain unavenged i want to see that woman killed yes killed for her murder of my brother 
sarah schuyler looked like a figure of justice herself as with flashing eyes she declared her wrath and it was her right her brother's blood called out for vengeance but the more gentle-souled ruth shuddered and shrank from this stern arraignment oh sarah she murmured not killed don't condemn a woman to that why not ruth if a woman can kill a woman should be killed but she won't be she added bitterly no jury ever convicts a woman no matter how clearly her guilt is proven just then fibsy appeared he was a strange little figure and showed a shy awkwardness at the grandeur of his surroundings he bobbed a funny little curtsey to ruth whom he already adored and with an embarrassed nod included the rest of us in a general greeting then to fleming stone he said in an eager triumphant tone i got em got what asked ruth smiling at him got pictures of miss van allen and julie too what cried ruth interested at once let me see them fibsy glanced at her and then at stone and handed a parcel to the latter he's my boss the boy said as if by way of apology for slighting her request fleming stone opened the parcel and showed two sketches miss gale made them he explained i sent fibsy over there to induce her to give us at least a hint of miss van allen's personal appearance the boy could wheedle it from her when i couldn't see he handed the pictures to miss rhoda for he too respected authority but we all gathered round to look they were the merest sketches a wash of water-colour but they showed merit as the only one present who knew vicky van i was asked of the truth of their portraiture fairly good i said yes more than that this of vicky shows the colouring of her face and hair and the general effect of her costume more than her actual physiognomy but it is certainly a close enough likeness to make her recognisable if you find her and this was true ariadne had caught the sidelong glance of vicky van's dark-lashed eyes and the curve of her scarlet lips the colouring was perfect just vicky's vivid tints and the dark hair looped over her ears was as she always wore it ariadne had drawn her in the gown she had worn that fatal evening and the woman eagerly scrutinised the gorgeous costume no wonder those long strands of fringe caught in that scraggly mirror frame exclaimed winnie who never missed a point right said stone if she whirled around as you did miss calhoun it's a wonder she didn't spoil her whole gown the pose and the figure were not exactly vicky's ariadne wasn't much on catching a likeness or a physical effect but the colour and atmosphere were fine and i told this to stone who agreed that it was a decided help in the search julie's portrait was the same not a real likeness of the woman but an impressionist transcript of her salient points the grey gown and white apron the thick-rimmed glasses the parted lips showing slightly protruding teeth the plainly parted brown hair all were the real julie and yet except for these accessories i'm not sure i could have recognized the subject of the sketch however as i told stone it certainly was a helpful indication of the sort of woman he was to look for and even in disguise the physical characteristics must show the detective was positive that wherever vicky van and julie were or whatever they were doing they were in all probability disguised and thoroughly so or they must have been discovered ere this to my amusement fibsy and ruth were holding a tete-a-tete -tete conversation 
the kind-hearted woman had doubtless felt sorry for the boy's shyness and had drawn him into a chat to put him at ease she had succeeded too for he was animated and had lost his self-consciousness under the charm of her smile and i'll bet your birthday comes in the spring he was saying as i caught the tenor of their talk it does said ruth looking surprised how did you guess cause you're just like a little spring flower a white crocus or a bit of arbutus and then noting my attention the boy was covered with confusion and blushed to the tips of his ears he rose from where he sat and shuffled awkwardly around the great room devoting exaggerated attention to some books in the glass cases and twirling his fingers in acute embarrassment you scared him away chided ruth under her breath as our glances met he and i were getting positively chummy why was he talking of your birthday i asked i don't know i'm sure he said i was born in the spring because i'm like a flower really that child will grow up a poet if he doesn't look out you are like a flower i murmured back and i'm glad your birthday's in spring i mean to celebrate it and then i thought of poor vicky van's birthday so tragically ended and i quickly changed the subject armed with the pictures fleming stone and his assistant spent the next day on a still hunt and in the evening stone came over to see me a little quiet confab he said as we secluded ourselves in my sitting-room and closed the door i've been to a score of places and invariably they recognize miss van allen and her maid but all say they've not seen her since the tragedy i went to shops offices the bank and places where she would be likely to need to go also her friends houses but nothing doing the shops have heard from her in the way of paid bills checks and such matters but i learned absolutely nothing that throws any light on her whereabouts now mr calhoun the very thoroughness of her disappearance the very inviolable secrecy of her hiding-place proves to me that she isn't hiding now mr stone i said smiling you talk like a real story-book detective cryptic utterances of that sort are impressive to the layman you know pshaw and he looked annoyed if you knew anything about detective work you'd know that the most seemingly impossible conditions are often the easiest to explain well then explain i'll be glad to hear i will and in return mr calhoun i'm going to ask you if you don't think that all things considered you ought to tell me what you are keeping back you won't mind will you if i say that i have deduced from evidence he smiled that your interests are largely coincident with those of mrs schuyler you're on i said shortly but not annoyed at his perspicacity well then i assure you that mrs schuyler is most desirous of locating miss van allen she is not so revengeful or vituperative as the sisters of her husband but she feels it is due to her husband's memory to find his slayer if possible now suppose you tell me what you know and i promise to keep it an inviolate confidence except so far as it actually helps the progress of the wheels of justice i do want to do what is best for mrs schuyler's interests i said after i had thought a moment but i must confess i have a certain sympathy and pity for victoria van allen i cannot believe her guilty then tell me frankly the truth if you are right and she is not the murderer the truth can't harm her and if she is the guilty person you are compounding a felony in the eyes of the law to withhold your information stone spoke a little sternly and i realized he was right if vicky were untraceably hidden all i could tell wouldn't hurt her 
and too i couldn't see that it would anyway moreover as stone said i was making myself amenable to the law by a refusal to tell all i knew and since i was so aware of my own devotion to ruth schuyler i felt i had no right to do anything that she would disapprove and i knew that a touch of feminine pique in her disposition would resent any consideration of vicky over her own claims therefore i told fleming stone all i knew of victoria van allen both before during and after the occasion of her birthday party he listened with his deep eyes fixed on my face most extraordinary he said at last after i had finished i never heard of such daring to enter her own house when it was watched by the police only the post patrol then i reminded him she could easily manage between his rounds yes yes i know but you've put the whole thing in different focus tell me more there was no more to tell but i went over my story again amplifying and remembering further details until we had spent the whole evening he egged me on by questions and his burning eager eyes seemed to drink in my words as if they were so much priceless wisdom and i told him too that i had promised to put vicky's address book in the chinese jar for her that very evening we'll do it he exclaimed promptly she meant to meet you there i'm sure but i'm also sure she changed her mind about that when she learned of my advent however we'll keep your promise acting at his instructions i went with him over to vicky vans it was about midnight and as he had the address book with him he kept possession of it we went in the house and in the dark felt our way up to the music room stone put the book in the jar and motioned for me to hide behind a sofa he himself took up his vigil behind a window curtain of heavy brocade he had planned all this before we left my house and no word was spoken as we took our places his hope was that vicky would come into the house late and go straight for her book and quickly out again he had directed me to wait until she had really abstracted the book from the jar and then as she was leaving the room spring after her and stop her i obeyed orders implicitly and as stone had warned me we had a bit of a wait i grew cramped and tired and at last i gave up all hope of vicky's appearance and then she came silently absolutely without sound she glided in from the hall my eyes now accustomed to the semi-gloom of the room could discern her figure as it approached the great vase softly she raised the cover she abstracted the book and with noiseless touch was replacing the cover when she threw back her head as if she sensed our presence i had made no move nor had i heard a breath of sound from stone but vicky knew someone was present i knew that by her startled movement she gave a stifled scream and pushing the great jar off on the floor where it crashed to pieces she rushed out of the room and downstairs after her calhoun fly shouted stone and as he flung back the heavy curtains the street lights illuminated the scene but as we avoided the broken fragments we bumped together and lost a few seconds in our recovery from the impact this gave vicky a start and we heard the street door slam as we raced down the stairs here too we lost a second or two for i stepped back to give stone space just as he did the same for me and when we had reached the foot of the stairs leaped through the hall wrenched open the door and dashed down the steps to the pavement we saw the flying figure of vicky van round the fifth avenue corner and turned south after her we ran as fast as mortal man can run i verily believe and when we reached the avenue there was no one in sight stone stood stock still looking down the street 
the avenue was lighted as usual and we could see a block and more in both directions but no sign of vicky nor was there a pedestrian abroad or a motor the avenue was absolutely uninhabited as far as our eyes could reach where'd she go i panted into some house or maybe hiding in an area we must search them all but very warily she's a witch a wonder woman but all the same the earth didn't open up and swallow her we searched every area way on the block one of us would go in and explore while the other stood guard the third house was the schuyler residence but stone also searched thoroughly in its basement entrance all dark and locked up he reported as he came out from there and of course she wouldn't seek sanctuary there but i've wondered if she isn't concealed in one of these nearby houses as she has had such ready access to her own home but it was impossible every basement entrance was locked and bolted for the night and all the windows were dark she's given us the slip said stone in deep chagrin but perhaps she crossed the street maybe she didn't run down this side very far let's go over we crossed and looked over the stone wall of the park surely vicky van had not had time to scramble over that wall before we reached the corner it had been not more than a few seconds after we saw her flying form turn down the avenue and she couldn't have crossed the street and scaled the wall in that time where was she what had become of her ring up the houses and inquire i suggested you're justified in doing that no use he responded if she was expected they won't give her away and if she isn't there they'd be pretty angry at our intrusion i'll admit calhoun i've never been so mystified in my life nor i i emphatically agreed End of chapter sixteen